Tov. Today's daf is Chaf Bet and Sota. We pick up at the very bottom of Chaf from its Bet. We've just been dealing with these uh, interesting uh, um, reflections or just our debates around, first of all, teaching your daughter Torah, Malamed Espita Torah, love the Tifla, so you have to, in order so she understands how the boy works, which, um, how, which was preceded by a whole discussion in the Gemara about the value of Talmud Torah for women. Sort of the Gemara got to it indirectly, asking what type of Zechus is Tola for women, but it was very interesting in this type of a context um, about the woman's role as like an Enimitzvah Yosa and so on. Um, and then the Gemara got on to, I'll go back and say what about that, but then got on to the statement about Rabbi Yoshua about um, being skeptical about uh, women who uh, appear to be uh, looking, uh, trying to be like uh, ascetic, pre-shoot, like separate themselves from physical pleasures, saying that women are always trying to sort of seek sexual opportunity, also very interesting in the context of Sota, and then talking about other people that are not whom they seem. So let me just say a quick word about uh, the Tiflis issue uh, before going on. Obviously, that's a whole long discussion in itself, but as might not be surprising, um, you know, there are... um, uh, obviously there are communities for a long time women were not educated just because women weren't educated in general in general society um, and it did not have to emerge from any type of particular religious conviction um, but nevertheless it certainly um, you know uh, in the modern era when women's education was definitely um, an issue um, and a uh, possibility and an opportunity um, the question around women learning Torah and specifically like Torah Shabbat Peh you know really sort of uh, try, you know, uh, became for some a very ideologically thing, uh, ideological slash halachic slash religious position that women can't do, and based on this whole idea of tiflus, and for others like the Rav and the uh, Lubavitcher Revi and so on, became something that is absolutely essential for women to do. Um, so as far as um, so a lot of that has probably more to do with uh, broader, um, you know, sort of uh, sociological religious issues than the specific question of the interpretation of, of the issue in the Gemara of Ki'ilulam. The Tiflis, um, as we actually saw, the Yerushal, uh, Tosus quotes the uh, Yerushalmi, where uh, Rabbi Eliezer had a, you know, not just a concern about using this as a as a means for uh, to g- get around the laws of Sota, but he a very harsh position on the on the on the value of women learning Torah altogether. Um, you know, much of Yisrofu um, So again, coming maybe from a sense about uh, women as frivolous or women, you know, whatever his his attitude was toward women that there was something that was compl- that was really terribly uh, uh, pernicious and destructive about women learning Torah um, but I'm not so anyway the point is that there could uh, most you know these differences are um, probably have a lot more to do with as I said broader sort of sociological religious issues attitudes towards women women's roles in society attitudes towards larger society and so on um, as far as it relates to the specific issues in the Gemara a number of points have been made, have been pointed out number one is the Gemara doesn't come down on one particular side of whether of Rabbi Eliezer versus uh, uh, Ben Azai. Number two is um, um, so you know question who do we paskin like assuming it's a matter of psak altogether let alone a question about just sort of some type of religious you know advice and direction. Number two is um, Rambam uh, quotes uh, Rabbi Eliezer but he does not quote it as psak. The Rambam says you know anybody can learn Torah and a woman can learn Torah and she's like Ainamitzuziosa that type of a frame 
Meaning, like we had in the Gemara, but nevertheless, the Rambam says Yesh Laschar. Aval Amu Chachamim, you know, Kol Malam Despita Torah Kidul Lamda Tiflus. So Aval Amu Chachamim means he's not seeing this as halacha; he's seeing this as a type of a, you know, advice slash religious direction. Um, and uh, the whole other discussion about Rambam's attitude towards women and their intellectual abilities and so on. Uh, but number one is it's certainly not being framed um, as a halacha. Number two is the issue about um, someone emphasized the point of Kohamalamidis Bito Torah, you know, about a question about whether it's like a single person's decision, you know, whether it's a broader communal type of a thing, maybe you want to sort of make something out of that. Um, but, you know, um, and uh, the, but the bigger issue that really comes up is, you know, how much is that contextual? How much is that in a time when women are not educated and, you know, and were not maybe um, for the most part able to handle, you know, if you wanted to sort of say, even within Rabbi Eliezer, you know, let alone that there's an opposing position, you know, in a, a certain circumstances in which they were not able to handle, you know, they, they did not have this type of academic intellectual training, so therefore that type of a statement, like, could be made. Um, so on the one hand, that the negative approach emerges from a particular historical sociological perspective, and uh, number two, the question is, what are the sort of opposite factors in today's society, um, and that, of course, is very strong arguments that are made about, you know, the consequences of not learning when they are pursuing other intellectual fields um, is, uh, you know, is very grave. So, anyway, um, bottom line is that that was like, um, you know, that was uh, a lot of the the battleground might come up about the, how do you interpret this one line, but the issues really are, you know, are are much, much broader than this exact question um, about, about this. But in terms of the, you know, like in the it's not like they emerge from the reason there are different opinions about women learning is because people have different interpretations of this line of rebellion. You know, it works a little bit in the opposite direction. Okay, but if you want to know about the actual ways in which this line is interpreted, I mean, and the questions about how much I see Rebbe position as sort of weighty in terms of halacha, I would say, number one, um, question, you know, is this a matter of halacha at all or about poskining at all or just different opinions like a different agatas or whatever? Number two, even within Rebbe um, you know, is the so that's number one, and you know, is there an quest? Is there an issue who we paskin? You know, is there an idea of do we paskin this way, paskin that way? Number two is how much is Rabbi Eliezer saying halach at all? And uh, number three is how much is it, was his statement shaped by particular realities relating to women at that time? And uh, number and and the flip side of that is number four is how much are our contemporary realities demand a very different type of response? And it would be you know very destructive. Uh, it would be the, it would be very counterproductive to be following this type of an approach in today's society. So, anyway, that's a very bekitzer type of a shear on that. Moving on. Let's get back to the Gemara. Okay. I knew I shouldn't have gone down that path. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's get back to the Gemara. So, the Gemara is dealing with um, the issue of um, what do you call it? See, I shouldn't listen to you, Michael. Anyway, the Gemara is dealing with the issue about, um, about who is a, um, about other people who don't present necessarily as who they are. So you had Rabbi Yoshua's idea about a, so it's about, uh, about uh, women who seem to want to act as if they're not interested in uh, sexual pleasure or whatever, but it's really a farce. And the other thing he mentioned was the Chatzig Shota, which is somebody actually who, it's not a question about presenting as who they're not, but they don't really understand 
understand what they're, you know, they're, they're, they're taking on these, the, the externals of Hasidut, but they, in a way, don't understand what real righteousness is. So well, don't want to say, right? Yeah, well, not just priorities. I think it's more about being drawn after the externals and not understanding the essence. I think that's like a lot of what this is, externals versus the reality. So here's somebody who doesn't understand what the essence of true Hasidut is. Um, and then you had the person who was the Rasha Arum, who was the uh, deceptive, uh, wicked person. So they don't appear wicked, but they're doing it because they're very scheming. So anyway, we pick up with this um, bottom of Chafal Famot Bet, um, and it's the following. Amr of Sheishes, so we're still giving a list to who's a Rasha Arum. This is somebody who tips people into his, to, towards his path. So what does this mean? So Rashi says it means, Look, I'm setting a good example. Follow me. Um, you're appearing very righteous and you're telling people follow your example, but um, you're really just doing that because you want to set yourself up as righteous so people don't really start suspecting what your real sort of wicked stuff is that you're doing that nobody sees. It doesn't exactly uh, fit the uh, language in the, in the, in the Gemara. Tosa says, I think more convincingly, that basically is you give people advice that ultimately helps out your interests and are not necessarily in their best interest. Okay? So somebody's asking you advice. Should I buy this car or not buy this car? Should I invest here, invest there? And you give them advice because ultimately that's something that's going to help you and you really don't have their interest in mind. Um, yeah, some delete naive air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the least naive air is exactly that. Why is why? Yeah, so we're not talking about what Isurim people are over, you know, or if they're even over on Isurim. We're talking about you know about ca- certain types of, of of people, of character traits, and things to be aware of. The type of a person who's going to present themselves as always very altruistic and so on, but really everything is about how it's serving them. You know, it's sort of like people have these books out, right? Like you know, like the seven different personality types you have to deal with at work, right? And how, you know, and, how to, and how to recognize them and deal with them. So this is like, you should recognize there are these types of people out there that always appear very from, but, you know, they got something else going on. Okay, yes. <laughs> You're right, Rabbi Del, for you we'll make an ace. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, okay. Um, this is somebody that is lenient to themselves and machmir for other people. So they're very from. You ask them what the Allah is. Oh, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. You know, whatever. Say, so, yeah, they appear really very righteous. You know, every time you ask them a Shiloh, they're always being very machmir. But presumably, in a way that people aren't seeing, they're always, for themselves, they're always being very makyo. Um, um, okay. Um, Ula Amar, ze, what? What's funny? It's a nice Okay. It's a nice joke. Ula Amar, ze, chachamim. Somebody who learns and uh, mikra, learns Mishnah, but never actually, uh, you know, put in the time to uh, tend to ta- uh, Torah scholars and really like, you know, uh, and, and therefore what's the problem of Lo Shimeish? So Rashi no. says the problem of Lo Shimeish is um, So so you lo- know all the material but you don't really know what it means. You never actually engaged yourself in the type of the rabbinic discourse. So 
So that person doesn't really deeply understand it. And you can't just learn from Mishnah straight. If only by understanding the reasons would you understand what's really going on and how to apply it. What's this based on? And it's sort of all of that conceptual deep understanding. So why is he in a room? Like maybe he's being irresponsible and maybe he's being a rasha because he's a, in the sense that he's sinning because he thinks he knows the halacha. But where is he being a schemer? The arum it says who shashomeyas kolo shonem mishneyotav kasevu who shabakibetamehem v'nogibo kavod k'tamidei chachamim because he goes around he's very erudite I think we all we know here's another here's a ninth type we all know people that are like very erudite you know can quote a million sources but they have no deep understanding right so this guy actually the uh, the Gemara has a word for that as well which isn't exactly this point but the Gemara calls it a chamor no se svarim somebody who basically is like a walking library they're a donkey who's carrying like all of this, these books on their back all this information in their head but they don't have really any like deep understanding so anyway here's somebody that they're constantly quoting Mishnah Psukim etc so everybody thinks oh this guy is so knowledgeable etc and they uh, follow him but he actually doesn't really understand it and doesn't know what to do so again he's more like he's more like irresponsible than a Russia maybe he's a Russia in sense of his not being responsible like he doesn't want to put in the work to really understand it and that's the way Rashi understands I think you could also suggest that below is not in terms of gaining the proper intellectual understanding but gaining the proper sort of character development right the idea of shimush is that you learn how Torah is really supposed to guide us and transform our character and translate into the way you know the small ways in which we act and interact with other people so somebody who basically they're just interested in the knowledge and not really in that personal investment also learn about what that work A. the personal investment of time to be and B. to understand what that you know how Torah has to be working on our personality. Ultimately, that's a type of like of a rasha arum, you know, that they are they're allowing themselves with their you know, with their natural, more unrefined character traits, um, but they're uh, doing all the stuff that makes them appear like a tamid chacham. Do you had a question? That sounds like kind of the Book learning is not the same. Rashi, you mean not what I just said? Well, Rashi, no, what I said. Oh well, I was I was actually not talking about knowing the the iser v'heter. I was talking about the shimish tamei chachamim in terms of like learning, learning, like learning character traits, like learning about what a true no. Chaim Tzavetik's magnetic tradition is about is about is action is about just you know yeah. Rashi is isn't that wasn't that the role of of the uh, of certain people whose, whose job it was just to memorize things. Right. So I guess then for Rashi the point would be if you if you know that well, and you uh, right, right, right. Uh, right, in the Gemara's time, yeah. Right. I I think I think that the point you're right. Like if somebody understands, no no no, I'm just the memorizer, don't ask me any halacha, that's not a Rush Arum. I think Rashi is saying it's a type of a person who, because of all their book knowledge, believes themselves to be and presents themselves to be like a real Tamat Chacham and somebody who, you know, who can tell you what to do or knows himself what to do. Yes. Um, learning Mikra and Mishnah but not getting into Gemara or anything like that yeah. is precisely what girls Torah education is. Ah, that's interesting. Tying it back to that er- tying it back to that earlier discussion. Because look, let's face it, the Gemara which speaks about Tiflis wasn't the other point that I made, you know, about Torah Shabbat versus Torah Shabbat Peh or sometimes, you know, you know, when people would teach women they would sort of if we're gonna we have to look at the Daf of Gemara then we're gonna have to Xerox it off. 
So they're not actually handling the Gemara. You know, yeah, sure. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. And I know some places like, say, you know, some, some, some Haredi schools are like, we're so from we don't even teach the girls Rashi. Because <laughs> Rashi is the, I'm serious, because Rashi is the vehicle for Toshab Afeh. So part of that is, I think, you know, you could say, well, you know, this Armimut and whatever, this knowledge that's the dangerous knowledge is the Toshab Afeh knowledge. But part of it, I also think, is that it's power, you know, and that just knowing like Mishnah exactly that because Mishnah and uh, Mikra do not actually inform how we act and our real like you know uh, uh, you know our real way our, our, our actual halacha the live Torah Shabbat Peh it's not as empowering and I think that that's part of it you know but you could also say it's not as intellectually demanding and in you know fitting in with some of the other issues that came up about that okay so let's take a look uh, what yeah the more, the more progressive you know that was the progressive way to teach Gemara uh-huh. oh really as opposed to what like just learning it through a cliche like we can look at learning Gemara if it's quoted in uh, like a, in the in the Bartonura on the Mishnah or something right right. the most progressive was that you were allowed to look at a Gemara as long as it was from a Zerok sheet right okay Itmar alright Kara Mishana now that we mentioned this idea about somebody who learned but did not attend to Torah sages and that that's a type of a Rasha Arum it's a dangerous type of a person that they go around seeming very knowledgeable but they really don't have a deep understanding or a deep sort of commitment to what a Torah life is supposed to be that's like a commoner the holy poloi now the Gemara has a lot of sometimes extremely negative things to say about Amharat. Sometimes it's just that, uh, you know, a recognition that the common people, the Amharat, the people of the land, the common people, the farmers, whatever, you know, you, they, they can't be trusted to be as meticulous in certain areas, you know, but it wasn't often with an antagonism. Different Amharat appears in different ways in different Kamaras. Right, but the point is they're normally assumed to be an Amharat is normally, right, it's better than a Russia room. And, and maybe you're right, maybe that's a shift. Like, this person isn't necessarily a Russia, you know, but they certainly aren't somebody that you can trust their precise halachic performance, right? Who knows what their motivation is? Maybe they're a good person, you know? They, they love learning. They just don't have the intellectual ability, whatever. They're not trying to be who they're not. They're not trying to present themselves. Okay, but they're not... But the point of Amaretz, though, is obviously Amaretz are also mostly considered to be uneducated in rabbinic literature. So the point is, like, we shouldn't give any weight to his rabbinic education. You're right. He's not a Russia Arum, but he's not going to be necessarily any better in their halachic performance than an uneducated person. Um, no, he's worse. He's an ignoramus. So Boor is actually seen as worse than an Amharat. An Amharat is somebody who actually more knows the way of the world. An Amharat could have, you know, a farmer, uh, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, who knows? I mean, from the Chazal, that could be an Amharat just because they're not part of rabbinic culture. Okay? It doesn't mean that they're not intelligent or successful. Um, the Amharat's probably a lot in there, probably supportive <laughs> a lot with their money, you know? Uh, but anyway, but a Boor is somebody that's like a complete, you know, ignoramus outside of society and so on. So, which is really very hard to understand. Tells us, like, if you look at one line, tells us, like, how can you say that this person is that bad? Like, it's, you know, like he's, le- he's, he's more ignorant. You know, maybe again, maybe, well, somebody who doesn't really understand true knowledge, well, you know, in any field, like somebody who just has a very way of us, like, amassing information without understanding it, there's an element of that about being a type of an ignoramus in certain ways, you know, but it's complete dismissal of, of, of information without understanding. Red, yes. In the, uh, not that I know that much about the culture of tomorrow, but like today I can, you can, you know, a lot of people who are experts in text and yet not 
that doesn't affect their lives, right? Right. Right, right, right. I agree. So I think that that's part of like the Russia Aram and the Amharat. That all makes sense, but the Boer is like a real, like, you know, complete ignoramus, right? Like, so why? I mean, maybe it's a comment about what the value of knowledge is. You know, knowledge without understanding is like, is, is ignorance, you know? But it, it is a harsh type of a line. Um, the Gemara says, but yeah, but like not affecting their lives is, I think, the Amharat's claim. Okay, they might not be a Russia, but it doesn't necessarily make them more observant or anything. Uh, more careful. Um, so the Gemara says like this, Rabbi Yana Yomer Harezeh Kuti, Samaritan. Now that's an interesting line. Because Ra- so, so, no, we, we seem to be go well, Rashi says, if you look at Rashi, Amaret Rashi says, Shechashel Amasos Altaros, which is because, again, they're not necessarily scrupulous. And words that Rashi says is worse. And then Kuti Rashi says, Also Lecho Pito Vieno. Even Shaloshimish Chachamim, Eno Makbid Aldivichamim Lidatam, to know them, Veloshana El Harot Atmokatam and Chacham, again, back to the Russia Arab. But the Kutim are ones who were really like seen very much as separate sect and the reason you couldn't drink their wine or eat their bread was like uh, presumably resulted like that's like attitudes towards non-Jews to seeing them as very different like not just not just like you know really like a diff- completely almost different sect than you know than the, than, rabbin- than the rabbinic Jews or than naturally born Jews um, and um, now it could just be a concern about again their observance is so poor but I think Rashi is making a different point I think Rashi's point is not just about the poor observance but that part of the whole problem about the Samaritans, besides whether they were as medactic, the mitzvot, or which mitzvot, was that they had a completely different, um, um, uh, um, um, you know, sort of like, uh, um, uh, authority system, right? They did, they fundamentally did not um, submit to, re- or recognize rabbinic authority. They had a different say for Torah, they had a completely different understanding of Tarshav al to the degree that they had it. They completely just weren't oriented, you know, it's not like they accepted rabbinic authority, but they didn't follow it. You know, it's that they completely, they, they had a completely different authority system. So therefore, I think that somebody, right, somebody basically says, I want to know the text, but is implicitly saying, but I really don't care what the, how the rabbis interpret it, right? I want to know it, but I dis- I'm completely dismiss, like, what every, you know, what anybody, you know, what the whole rabbinic tradition has to say about this. I think that's sort of seen as more threatening, you know, to the rabbis. Somebody who just is ignorant, you know, whether they're fully observant, not fully observant, they know who the authorities are. They know where the authorities They want to listen to us, not want to listen to us. It's their choice, or whatever. Somebody who basically is essentially becoming an authority onto himself. Like, I'm going to learn these texts and I'm going to not care what other people have to say about it. Like, well, who was that? Martin Luther's uh, priesthood of the laity type of a thing, you know? So that's like, I'm not saying, anyway, I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. Growing up more times than you believe. Priesthood of the laity? Okay, there you go. All right, anyway. In certain areas. So that's what I think he's saying. So that's what I think, that's what I think the point is not lack of, cri- of, of punctiliousness but the basic uh, implicit like rejection of the authority system which is the reflected in the Pito Vieno idea okay um, so I think that's Rashi's point you don't even want to know what they are what do I care what the rabbis have to say okay so it's, a, it's in a way it's even a more threatening um, okay so now the Gemara says Rav Achaber Yaakov Omer Hareze Magus it's a magus it's a mage okay he's a wizard so what does that mean so Rashi says okay he basically yeah <laughs> right so he's somebody that basically is a uh, what's that word illusionist illusionist right 
Rashi says it's more of a mate. He's like casts illusions. He's a spell caster. Okay? He makes people believe that he's so smart, he's casting his spell on them when he really doesn't, when there's really no substance behind it. Which is sort of like Russia Arum, although again, makes him much more, I don't know, somehow, and wicked than just being a Russia. Yeah. In the time or, of or, the or, or, referred to a Persian Priest. Oh, maybe. Yeah. oh, so maybe that. Oh, it's a Persian category. Oh, so you don't think it's about illusionists? You think it's like going one step further than the Kuti? Like it's again yeah. about somebody who represents almost like a different tradition. I mean, Rashi might not have known that. Oh, okay. Well, let's keep on reading because Rashi is not is, is saying it based on a continuing Gemara. But that's interesting. You're just seeing it as one step further along the line of Kuti yeah. as opposed to the type of the Russia Arum. And then the main idea for Rashi is about how these Russia Arums cast their spell and you know deceive people. Okay, but let's take a look. Okay, Mistavra, the Gemara says like this. It makes sense like Ravacha Bar Yaakov. The Ami Inish, because people say, Ratin Magusa, the Magus, like Ransan, the Lo Yadamai Amar. And he doesn't know what he's saying. He says his incantations and he doesn't understand them. And similarly, Tani Tana, the Lo Yadamai Amar. Like you, Rabbi, they were saying, the idea of the Tana, the memorizer of, of the Tanaitic uh, material, the Tana teaches what he's, you know, what he, you know, what he's memorized and he, does, and he doesn't know what he's saying. So, they, 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 they spout out this stuff and for them it's just gobbledygook. They have no idea what it means. Okay? So, that's getting back to just the, that way it's just more emphasizing just the ignorance. Like, they, it, it, it looks like knowledge but it's really complete ignorance. Um, basically, as uh, Saul Lieberman once said, you know, for the, the, what the rabbis were looking for for the Tanaim, the small Tanaim, not the Rebbe, Meir Rebbe, who the Tanaim, the memorizers of the text. He says, people with an excellent memory and very little creativity. So, <laughs> you just wanted them to be accurate transmitters of the text. You did not want them to think about it because then they were going to introduce their own ideas. Yes. That's the kind of students our educational system is. <laughs> very good. We're testing like crazy. Right. And we are dis- discouraging creativity. There you go. Okay. I'm a, okay. Tamar Rabbanan. Now we're really gone. Ezu Amar. Come on. We, we just have to talk, you know, memorize this even if we don't know what it's saying. Okay. Ezu Amar. Okay. Now we're on the Amaretz discussion. So he doesn't say Shachris Arvis. Presumably this echoes the Gemara in Menachos that says if somebody would just say Kriyatshma uh, morning and evening, that if you just start the day with Torah and end the day with Torah, it frames it as if you're invested in Torah the whole day. And an Amaretz who doesn't say Shema, Shachris, and Arvis, it's like they're completely outside of the world of Torah. Again, like you, you know, you, you sort of read, you know, sort of like you think a little bit about like Sugar on the Roof. I sort of watched it recently and they're singing the songs a lot. Anyway, like, you know, with Tevye or whatever, and there's these very poignant things about, oh, if I could just have time to sit in the synagogue and learn the holy books, like, probably hasn't learned one, one word in his life, but he understands, like, what that's about and how he should want that, you know? And the Amaretz, like, you don't even learn one line of Torah at, at a day. You don't even say Kriyatma Shachis Ravis, you're completely, like, outside of that world. So, Ah, so that was interesting too, right? The extra line of the Bivir Choteha, right, exactly. Maybe you do it, but you're not part, right, you don't, you're like the rabbis are the ones that constitute the whole brachot, so how much is it also right about like not sort of being invested in the rabbinic sort of enterprise? Also, the brachot of Kriyat Shema are also very much about, you know, the 
of Kriyash Shema double is Birchas HaTorah, if somebody forgets Birchas HaTorah, because they, Birchas of Kriyash Shema count, because the Birchas of Kriyash Shema are all about, you know, having chosen us and giving us, you know, sort of frame the Shema as a type, the Shema is also a type of a Talmud Torah. So I think it's all interconnected. That's what Rabbi If you don't put on Tefillin. Now that's interesting, right? Because now it could just be somebody's, you know, I don't know, now we're getting less into knowing of Torah and maybe just not careful in mitzvot and it's a very basic mitzvah and how could somebody, if you're at least a little bit into the world of mitzvot, at least you're putting on, I mean, okay, maybe you're not violating Shabbos, but you know, the next level, a little bit, you know, daily putting on tefillin shows a certain level of, participa- of, of participation. It's actually quite fascinating because we have evidence that in the time of the Rishonim, there were in the communities wearing tefillin was very uh, challenged. We always have this very uh, romantic view of how firm everybody was in the past. You read uh, some of the, uh, like, uh, I think it's the smog, or the, I think it's the smog anyway, that he would go town to town and preach and he would talk to people about how they have to start wearing tefillin and putting mezuzahs on their doors. Um, so, yeah, right. yeah, but, here, right, but, but here we were talking about what we believed of in a very observant community. It's also emblematic of you ah. know, wrapping, the, you know, taking the text. And ah, so thank you very much. So the other possibility, though, is that tefillin, right, you know, the Shema is, Vayula Ota Yadecha, and we're going to get to, and Mizuzope, you know, that maybe it's like even if you're not actually learning but at least this symbolizes your connection to Torah right like even if you're Vidibartabam and if, if you're not doing Vidibartabam there's a symbolic way of speaking about your connection to Torah you bind it on your arms you put it on your door so if they're not even doing that again that's a, you know, a further degree of like remove um, yeah you might be, a, you might be a, have a lot of text knowledge but if you don't, you know, wrap it around yourself. Oh, you haven't internalized it enough. Yeah. Maybe. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if we have evidence that what the Ami Haaretz were had text knowledge. I, I don't know. Um, uh, okay, which is again one of the partial of Tzilin, so we're uh, of Kriyachima, but that does not seem to be directly related again to, uh, you know, to, to Torah, but again, it is maybe more related to this internalizing of your Jewish identity. Um, so again, here we're back to Torah. How strong is your investment in Torah? Are you investing in your kids' education and making sure that they learn Torah? Um, like maybe you can't, but like should you at least? And Megadlan Lilmo Torah, do you sort of see that as something to be aspiring to? Right? It's not just Enomalamdam Torah. You're not knowledgeable enough. But have you uh, you hired somebody? Do you see that as something to aspire to or not? One minute. Um, Ah, we're back to where we started. Even if you learn and you mikran mishnah veloshimish tamidich achamim zeo amaretz. That's an amaretz because you have knowledge, but again, it does not either lead to character development or does not lead to true knowledge. Karveloshana. Now here, as opposed to the earlier statements, which is a, you could even call that person a boor. No, no, no. Boor is less than that. You know mikra, but you don't even know mishnah. Raise a boor. Then you're an ignoramus in all of at least rabbinic discourse. Lo karveloshana. You didn't learn even mikra. Alavakasvomer vizarat. I will plant Beit Yisrael and Beit Yehuda, the, 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 the seed of humans and the seed of animals. Now in the Psukim, that's actually a bracha. It talks about the reflourishing of the uh, society in the land of Israel. But here it's basically sort of saying they're like animals. Like, you know, they're, 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 they're you know. Um, so anyway, oh, I, I don't know if I should say this, but somebody once told me this joke that, uh, that there was like a big macher in the shul, so the rabbi, so, so the gabbai decided to sit him next to the, uh, to the rabbi. Rabbi there by the eastern wall, and then he wanted to try to like show 
the rabbi like he was a, like he knew something. So it was uh, you know so it was um, um, so so it was uh, and Shabbos Mincha. So you know, I did the Tzitzkascha and the Tzitzkascha is what is it? Adam Ubei Matoshia Hashem. So he so 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 he said he said like well well why Indian like the Hamei so Adam. So the rabbi says don't ask me the Gabbai was the one who sat you here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, here yes. We, yes. so here we have to fill and seek seat in Talmud Torah. Uh, where does that leave women? Yeah, a, a, a very good question. I wish. Yeah, there you go. Back to yeah, exactly. Thank you for raising that and going back to Kol Amalam to speak the Torah, right? And then you juxtapose it to all about all of this yeah. about what lack of connection to Torah, sort of how that puts somebody, places somebody in the rabbi's eyes, you know, in society. Okay, I do want to say before continuing, also this Tosos Koshein Akora. I know we're getting behind, but I can't pass this up. So Tosos says this is very important. He says Tameluri the Demerpekni. Anyway, so there's completely different standards of what's in Amaret in different places. And he says, Amaret means different things in different places. Some of them you can't accept testimony. She said, I'm skipping a few lines. So there's all these different halachas that are said and sometimes contradictory victory about Ami Haaretz, and they're really talking about like different ways of categorizing and defining Ami Haaretz. Um, I have actually this paper that I started reading that I didn't finish, but basically by uh, uh, Yair Furstenberg on the uh, status of Ami Haaretz in Chazal. So, you know, a lot of, um, a lot, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of work on trying to identify who was it referring to, and it's a, and it's a term that goes back to the time of Ezra. Um, um, but uh, he basically argues, I didn't sort of finish the paper, but he basically argues, you know, historians have been trying to identify like who, who is it that they're talking about and he basically tries to argue that they're really not necessarily talking about a particular identifiable group of people it's more like a concept about like you know that they're like it's, a, it's like, a, like a, and therefore it can play different roles under, in different contexts in the Gemara okay let's continue um Right. Right. The whole range. Right. So the question is, are there really different groups of people? And sometimes it's referring to group A and sometimes to group B. Or at a certain times, you know, certainly there was a time when it was referring to a very concrete group. But the question is, once that concept becomes part of the rabbinic literature, then how much does it continue always to refer to very concrete groups of people? No, I don't think the Jews would really criticize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. I think it is. Fear God and be king, and with the shonim, do not mix, do not engage, do not engage yourself. Do not, do not get mixed up with those shonim. Who are those shonim? Um, those are people that just memorize halachot, but again have no deep knowledge. Now halachot would seem better than Mishnah. You're actually learning halacha, but halachot here does not mean. Oh, does not mean like oh you memorized Nishmir Shabbos Kilchasa Halachot basically means like you memorized Mishnah okay you memorize these like ap- what's called these apodictic statements you know without any discussion about what they mean so again you, you mislead people okay and you think that that's Halacha and it's not Halacha 
Um, of course, whatever I'm to call a shona halachas b'chol yom, you know, muftach lo shu ben olam haba. So we're going to get. But don't keep them. No, it's more done understand it, and therefore they themselves mislead themselves and others. So the says pshita. Obviously, what else could shoni mean? Of course, no. Mo b'tema, I might have thought shoni b'chait. Maybe it means people that constantly sin and repeatedly sin. Uchir Rav Huna, like Rav Huna says, Amar Rav Huna, Kevin Shavar Adam Aver of Shanaba. Once a person does an Aver and then repeats it, Hutrolo. So then it's like it's not even an Isser anymore. He's you, you, you learn certain ways of rationalize what you're doing that it's actually okay. Kamash Milan. So anyway, another Gemara says Hutrolo Sakadaitich. Does it really become a No, Ela Ema Nasel of Keheter. And of course, I keep I always tell you whenever we come up to that that uh, uh, that uh, um, what's his name, Rabbi Yisrael Salanta has has the great like follow up line. He says, and once he's done it three times, it's a mitzvah. So, <laughs> so anyway, okay, so it could have meant that repeated sinners, but no, it means people that just like mouth off Mishnayot. Okay, um, okay, uh, where are we? Tana, Tana, Tanaim, Tana. We turn to Brisa. Tanaim, Mavlei Olam. You can imagine the Tana who had to memorize this Brisa. Okay. <laughs> the, the Tanaim, the memorizers of the Mishnah, destroy the world. Mavlei Olam, Salkadayich. Really? I'm ready to go. Shemayim Halachim, he talks to There's not a problem of memorizing the Mishnayas, as was said. We need those people to memorize the Mishnayas. The problem is if you think you can paskin based on it. Tanya, Nami Hachi, Rabbi Yoshua, Vichim, Mavlei Olamein, Vichim, Yashri Olamein, Shenem Halichos Olamla. Right, you know that uh, you have to have this memorized. That's the foundation on which all the Talmudic discussion is built. The problem is not memorizing. The problem is then thinking you can pass it based on it. Yes, we have Ravina and Rabbi Yehoshua live. I don't know what to tell you. Apart, arguing. What can I tell you? Now. A woman who separates herself, again, meaning like shows that she's like, you know, interested in uh, not having uh, physical pleasure, whatever, she's one of the mavlei olam, destroyers of the world, because, again, the skepticism, yeah, yeah, that's the way she presents, what's she really doing? Okay, so now the Gemara adds to this, Tanur Abanan, Salyanit, a praying virgin, Almanash Shovevit, and a wandering uh, widow, the Katanshalo Kalu Chadashav, and a minor who does not, who his who months have not been complete, which probably means a, a boy that was born like in his eighth month is what it would normally mean. Olam, they destroy the world. Who are these people? So Rashi says the the Betulat Sayolanit is somebody that's like you know always davening and praying and so on. So what's the matter with her? So again, Tosu sort of says it's sort of like what we said before that she looks very firm, but who knows? And she looks like, oh my God, this virginal person and she's always praying and she's so firm. What's she really doing? Like, you know, it's sort of like the Isha Prusha. Or the, um, what? Or aestheticism. Or aestheticism. Yeah, right. So, and, and the Almanash Shovavit is the widow who's constantly going around the community and visiting all of her friends all the time. Maybe she doesn't have a husband to keep her home and to keep her busy. And basically, her, that concern is, is that she's like a gossip. At least that's the way Rashi says it. Of course, then it wouldn't really exactly fit the model because it wouldn't be somebody who's presenting as somebody that they're not. Anyway... Let's see what the Gemara says. Um, okay. Let's go visit the, this and that, and they're, only not, but they're not visiting to help people out. Oh, that's interesting. I'm visiting. I care about them. I want to see how they're doing. That's a nice point. Okay, so anyway, Kadan Shulokal Chadashav is not clear. Well, Gemara will get to it. Let's see. Amy, is this true? Vama Rav Yochanan, Lamadu Yerushchetni Besula. We can learn fear of sin from the young lady and from a, you know, from, from a young woman. Vikibu Schar, and what the reward means, Miyamana, from the following story about the widow. 
Kedo. Yerushet ni besula. What's that story? Rabbi Yochanan shama like he besula. Rabbi Yochanan heard this, uh, you, you, you know, young virgin woman. Denafla um, apa. She fell down on the ground like nefilas apayim and prayed to God. Become Rabbi Bono Shalom. Merit of the universe. Barata ganeden. Barata gehenim. You've created, you know, uh, paradise and uh, and gehenim. Barata tadim. Barata v'shayim. Righteous and wicked people. You know, some of the nechus shali kashu be bnei adam. May it be your will that people don't sin by me that I don't lead, uh, you know, men astray. Now, that's pretty interesting in terms of Yerat Chet. Like, you know, first of all, like, why Yerat Chet, you would think, is maybe your will that I don't go astray. You know, so, oh, look how firm she is. It's not just that she doesn't want to go astray. She doesn't want even the cause for somebody else to go astray. On the one hand, okay, that's lovely. Like, you know, it's sort of like the tefillah you say before you go into the Beit Midrash. you know, Shaloyi Kashlu, you know, my, my, my colleagues shouldn't be nichshal in anything I say. I shouldn't even, I'm so afraid of sin, I'm afraid that in, unint- you know, without my intention, I might accidentally cause somebody else to unintentionally sin. Okay, but it's a very big problem in terms of the whole issue about, you know, women as sex objects and internalizing for themselves, you know, sort of like the male gaze and the male lust, and that's their responsibility. I mean, I got a lot to say about that, and that's obviously, you know, very, very deeply, deeply problematic. So, um, and also, you know, ties into all of Mesechet Sota. So, there's like a lot of things going on here, but yeah, beyond just your hate. Um, and in terms, anyway, did you want to say something, Jenna? No? Okay. I thought I saw, I thought I saw you say something. Uh, no, I don't want to put you on the spot. I thought I saw something. Okay. So this is a little question, because what's the problem? This seems to be a good thing. Oh, right, right. We're still testing. So how could you say there's a problem with the Basul and the Almano? Look how firm they are. Or look how sometimes it's genuine firm kite. Now, what's the Almano? So the Kibuskar, uh, where are you? The Kibuskar mi Almano, the he Almano, a certain widow, the Havei Be Knishta, the Shivusa, that there was a synagogue in her in her uh, community. The Kol Yom Havei Asa Matzah Be Midrashet Reb Yochanan, and every day though she wouldn't go to the Beit Knesset, she'd come and daven in Reb Yochanan's Beit Beit Hamedrash. Again, it's Reb Yochanan, which is interesting. Amela, he said to her, Biki Lo Beit Knesset the Shivusach, isn't there a, 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 a synagogue in your community? Why? you coming to the base medrash. Amale, she said to him, Rebbe, don't I get the merit of doing this extra walking to do the schlepping out and coming to the base medrash? So that's how you see that there is, we learn kibbutzchai. Now, of course, it's very funny, like, it seems like almost frivolous. Like, if, if, what's the point of walking longer if you don't have to walk longer? Like, you know, now, what you could say is that, no, you learn, actually, you train yourself for this idea of, you know, p- exerting the extra effort to go ahead and to do what, you know, to do mitzvot. So even though here the extra effort wasn't needed, you know, you're internalizing this type of a character about like, I'm prepared to, you know, go, if I had to go five miles, guess what show I would go and I'm going to train myself um, to do that. But both of these cases are themselves like very problematic. They're being held up as these ideals, right? And again, like it's like, you know, they're almost like extremes that are silly extremes. Like your hate starts with concerning yourself about your own sin. Forget even the whole sex, you know, sexual object, sex object issue. Your hate starts with Concerning yourself about your own, maybe oh, but look how far they went. You know, here, you know, extending yourself for mitzvot to start with when it's really necessary. So again, bringing an example of people doing it in an excessive way, I'm not sure is necessarily a helpful example since we could be questioning whether it's really even appropriate in this type of a circumstance. Yes. Is it better pay in a Beit Knesset or Beit Midrash? Uh, so that could be an interesting question too, right? And like you know, and uh, you know, maybe is this also showing the fact that she has a she wants to connect to the world of Torah? going back to the whole issue about women and Torah and so on. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that 
is why she's extending herself because she wants to connect more to the world of Torah not just the world of Tzitma but anyway oh maybe that's the problem okay so right maybe there also there's probably not as much but there probably isn't as much socializing in the base Medrash as in the base Knesset so maybe that's also part of the point like you know <laughs> that they're no I'm serious so you know here they are sort of so, so that would help explain why this is an important this thing example uh, yes. related to yeah so that's the question how can you say widows and uh, virgins are mavle olam look at these righteous ones okay so the Gemara says now of course the question is and we didn't say all widows and all virgins maybe less depends on how they're acting so anyway the Gemara says no Kikamar, so it's going to say, yeah, there are different days. Who, what type of widows are we talking about? You go in Yochni Bat like this woman in Yochni Bat Rechivi. Now that answers it. So Rashi says, and I don't know who tells Rashi what the story is, but Rashi says that the, uh, that the, um, that the story was, was that this, this was again a, uh, a witch, um, or somebody who did, you know, incantations, and she, she made her panasa as a, um, as a, as a midwife. So she basically did, did some incantations that the woman wouldn't be able to give birth, and then, she was called on to help them and then she reversed the incantations so that and then she was able to like get her a big reputation and everybody needed her services and the whole thing and then they, one day she was found out so hey like I have no idea where Rashi got that story from okay that happens sometimes that Rashi gives you like a whole agata to backdrop and like it's not in other rabbinic literature you know must have been some Masora to explain what this was but again like what is that, how does that tie in to widows who are traveling widows like you know the traveling widows was a nice simple explanation like Michael said, you know, going around and saying, oh, I just want to see how this person is doing. I want to pay a call. And you're really just a big gossip, you know. Anyway, I, I don't know. Moving on. Okay. My cotton What's a cotton whose months have not been complete? So, Hacha Targimu here in Bavel, they explained it. Somebody who's like young and is like, you know, thinks that they're, what is it, bigger, you know, bigger than their riches? Yeah, like, you know, thinks that they're, you know, that, that, that they're, that, you know, you know, is disrespectful of the, of the Rabosav and of people of greater age and authority and they just think so they're a little bit they're metaphorical. They're a little too taken by themselves. Themselves. Um, um, you know, actually, Tosos quotes a Yerushalmi, if you look about ten lines up, right after the paren- end of the parentheses in Tosos. Somebody who actually is beyond their years in terms of their Torah knowledge. And therefore they think that they can denigrate, you know, people that are, you know, older and more, you know, and more Talmidei Chachamim because they're so impressed with how brilliant they are. Sadly, this is a phenomenon that we see when kids come back from a year in Israel. I'm serious. They all of a sudden, now they're the world's biggest Talmidei Chachamim. They know everything, you know. Their community rabbi, you know, is completely like garbage in their eyes. Anyway, so that's Katsun Sholokol Chadasha. We translated it. That this is how we interpret it. Um, yeah, here, here in it, here in Bavel, we explained it in the you're following way. Yeah, I know. Well, we're going to get to it. Uh, yeah, the next one is it tells we don't have to do that one anyway. <laughs> no, it's not about their relationship to other great other rabbis, but it's about their you know effect on other people that they actually think that they're ready to paskin and they're paskining and they're not ready, and that's really mavleolam because it's leading people astray. And you know, 
Sometimes it might not it might not be just because they don't have enough knowledge. Maybe they are brilliant. But Paskini requires like wisdom. It requires like knowing you know people and knowing the world, and it doesn't just require like book knowledge. What's meant by the verse? This is again interestingly a pasuk about a woman who is like a you know a seductress woman. As so again in the context of Sota, but now it's about. Uh, about we'll see what it means because many uh, you know masses uh, she she sort of uh, uh, you know caused to uh, fall the um, call um, her and and great many are all those that she murdered. What's Rabin Chalim Hipila? He's not yet fit for Paskening. And Rashi says it's a plan to work Hipila, which is a nafel, which is like Katan Hadashav, that a child born, an infant born before its time is going to be like almost a nafel, a, mis- you know, a miscarriage. Um, it's a miscarriage of justice. Anyway, so they're murdering people. They're Paskening and leading people astray. Great are all those that slaughtered. It's the opposite. If you should be Paskini and you're not, so you're not helping people who need your help. Maybe you're leaving the field open for people who, need, who, who shouldn't be playing that role. And you're also doing those terrible things by not Paskini. So here Rashi says it's a play on the word Atsumin, to be Otseinav, close your eyes. Like, you know, that you're, you're not doing what you need to be doing. You're closing your eyes to, what, to, to, to what's demanded of you. Or it could just be, as the Marsha says, Atsumin. No, you're Atsum, you're great, you're fit for this, and you're not doing it. So it's better, you know, it's equal if you're acting when you shouldn't and if you're not acting when you should. Very beautiful in Rav Moshe Feinstein's introduction to the Igris Moshe, he says that when, like he says, he was hesitant to Paskin because he said like, who am I to Paskin? And let's say I Paskin incorrectly, you know? And when the Gemara says, it says, you know, Rabim Chalim Hipila. But then Rav Moshe said, but then I couldn't not Paskin because the next line says, Atsumim Kol Like if you're Regila Rav, you're not Mores. Like, you know, you can't sort of shirk your responsibility. You have to do it like, you know, when, when you are fit to the other interesting thing, by the way, to mention about all of this is notice here, not just did we transform a pasuk about a seductress woman and make it about men, but you know we started with a Mishnah about a woman who is suspected of a sota and maybe she actually committed it but she's getting away with it because she has zuchus and maybe we shouldn't teach her Torah because the zuchus will she'll figure out a loophole so she'll present herself you know she'll figure out how to get away with what she's doing and present herself one way and be another way and by this stage we've totally forgotten about the woman and I was like focused on this very broad societal phenomenon that expresses itself in many ways among men and women I mean you have the Amana but in many different ways about people who basically present themselves as something that they're not, you know. So I think that there's again something powerful by not by not keeping this hyper focus on the evil seductress women. That you know, it's like oh, there are a lot of people are like this in many different ways, and we have to be aware of this phenomenon. Okay, and then the Gemara just ends this point. One minute, Until what stage are you supposed to wait until paskining? Forty years? And he only lived till forty. So the Gemara says, No, that's only all other things being equal. So there's actually an interesting debate of Rashi tells us how to read that. Rashi reads that that if you're equivalent to the post-game that are around, then even if you're less than 40, you can pass game. You only can't pass game if you're less than 40 if you're less than the post-game that are around. Tosa says, no, no, no. If you're equivalent, you can't pass game until you're 40. But if you're, but if you're better 
than everyone around, then even if you're under 40, you can paskin. So it's the difference about whether you have to be equal or better. The issue of 40 years is also interesting. Tosa says, it's not that you have to be 40 years old. What difference is 40 years old? Then? Although you could say it's about 40 years of learning, is what Tosa says, which is, oh my God, then how old do you have to be? But you could understand 40 years old, again, getting to this point that it's not just about book knowledge, it's about life experience and so on. Um, and then the issue becomes, uh, nowadays, that... Um, you know, that so, a lot of that is because you had to just memorize and learn so much material, um, and therefore, before you could actually paskin, you needed to invest a lot of years in just getting all that information into you. Nowadays, that all the information is available in books, you know, the Post can say that some of these issues change radically um, in those types of cases. Let's just try to read quickly a little bit more, because we've, we've fallen behind. Umakos Prushim, and the last one that's bad is the, 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 la- the, the smitings of the, of the ascetics, although interesting, Prushim is also Pharisees. But anyway, it means, again, that according to Rashi, people who, you know, self-flagellate and look so from, but again, they miss out what real righteousness is about. But they present themselves that way. Maybe they've also even tricked themselves, you know, in terms of what righteousness is about. Tanurabanan, Shiva Prushime. There are seven that are Prushim that are, like, not good. Parish Shikmi, Parish Nikfi, Parish Kizoi, Parish Meduchia, Parish Machovasi, Ve'asenu, Parish Me'ava, Parish Me'ira. Now we're going to explain them. Parish Shikmi, the, the, the Parish of Shikmi, Leusamaisa Shechem, the doings of Shechem. What does that mean? So Rashi says, Rashi says coming up in the Parsha, that they all uh, did Brit Milah, because, but they weren't doing it for the right reason. So it's somebody that basically, um, you know, takes, uh, does certain behaviors, but not for the right reason. So the Marsha said, I don't understand. Like, what was so terrible? I mean, not what Shechem did, but what the people of the town did. What was so terrible? So he said, no, what was terrible was that first, I mean, again, going back to Shechem, first he raped, and then he decided to do the Brit Milah. Like, that's not exactly, you know, if you first strike, you know, if like you're already like a Russian, and then you're doing this to cover it up and to make yourself present yourself in a particular way, that's a bit different problem. Okay, what's Prosh Nixi? Zem Manakes et Raglav. That you bang your legs. Rashi says it means like you walk very daintily to show how, you know, like, uh, how, I don't know, humble you are or righteous you are or something, but obviously it's all a show. Um, Prosh Kizoi, so what does that mean? He's always like, like, like to let blood. You bang into walls and you cause yourself to bleed. So Rashi says, so, so exactly. Rashi says, you're too firm to look at a woman, so you're banging into walls. Although I do have to tell you, I don't know if I should tell you this, I'm not trying to, I don't know if, if this is going to be showing off or embarrassing myself. But anyway, when I was a teenager, I was, I was a stage where I was like so firm, not about not looking at women, that I was constantly like, as I was walking, like trying to chazu the uh, stuff that I was learning in the, uh, you know, that I learned that I was learning in yeshiva that I like had my eyes closed I was causing I would w- literally walk into telephone poles so <laughs> anyway um, I'm talking about Yitzchak that'll go in the uh, that'll go in the unauthorized biography I'm talking about Yitzchak <laughs> okay what exactly exactly Prosh <laughs> Meduchia so what's Prosh Meduchia what does that mean Meduchia is like a, a pestle the thing you use to like uh, you know bang uh, whatever you know spices so what's that I'm a rabbi Barshila you're so bent down like you know like the curve of this uh, of the pestle like you're showing yourself humble but again it's all a show you know Prosh Machovati Vesenu tell me what my responsibility is and I'll do it so the says what do you mean I'm a Yuzi that's great tell me what I need to do and I'll do it 
You know, I've done everything I need to do. You know, if you tell me whatever else I haven't done, and I'll take care of it. But you start by presenting yourself like I've done all my responsibilities. You know, tell me anything I haven't done, I'll, and I'll do it. But you present yourself like you've already done everything, and again, that's a problem. Now, approach me, Ava, approach me, Yira, what's that? That sounds firm. So, don't teach that. That's not a bad thing. Even if the Avanira is the wrong Avanira, what's the wrong Avanira? The Amaravyud Amarav, the Olam Yasokadam Bitarab Mitzvah Safilu Shalolishma, Shemitoshalolishma Balishma. So the Avanira is, you do it because of love of reward or fear of punishment, but even if it's that's a bad motivation, it's not a, it's not, it's not like, it's not problematic. Like ultimately, it's not Mavli Olam, it'll ultimately lead to good behavior. The problem, uh, everybody else, was that they were presenting themselves as something they weren't. Here, okay, it's just motivation. The motivation could ultimately be, you know, lead to something good. I'm a rabbi. Oh, I'm yes, we just did that. What's hidden is hidden. What's revealed is revealed. Meaning here you, we just got to explain that there are all these people that present themselves like who they're not. So like, it's not a fair world. Like, in how, you know, what are you supposed to do about that? Everybody presents themselves as so. From so says, look, we, we know what we know. We can, what's hidden is hidden. We won't know it. What's revealed is revealed. We have to do the best we can. The high court, God, will ultimately mete out justice to those that wrap themselves in a talus, you know, that look from and that they're not really from. I'm a Yanai Malka. You should keep that gear in because we don't know what these people are really doing. Is that no, I think it's just an, a wrap up statement to what we said before. The king said to his wife, because Yanai killed a lot of the sages, and his wife was maybe afraid of, uh, of, uh, of, of payback. Yeah. Now the Prushim here actually means the Pharisees. Don't fear from the Prushim, the woman means she ain't a Prushim, not from those that aren't. Pharisees are righteous. They're not going to do anything to you, even though we did this evil to them. And the, pe- the non-Pharisees, they're our friends. So those are not the people you have to be aware from, or just in general. Don't be afraid from people that are genuinely from, or people that are genuinely not from. Those aren't the people to be afraid of. Ela means You have to be afraid from, like, the chameleons, from the people that present themselves one way and are really another way. Shedomim leprushim, they seem like uh, ascetics and Pharisees and from. That is such a great line. There are so many people yeah. like that. They go ahead and they act like Zimri. You know, they go ahead and they sleep around with whatever women do whatever violations and they think that they're righteous and they present themselves like they deserve schar as if they're a Pinchas. All right, and with that...